0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nice to Have a Friend podcast. My name is Lauren, and I'm here with my co-host, Allison. Hey, guys. We are so excited to be bringing you a new episode this week, and it's about a topic
1: I'm very passionate about. Uh, As you know, a couple of weeks ago, if you scroll back in our feed, we did an episode all about K-pop, where basically I got to just sit and talk at Lauren about Korean pop music for literally an hour. Uh, Today we're going to flip the tables and Lauren is going to share something that she knows a lot more about than me. And I'm very interested to hear kind of some of the things that you prepared for me today because I'm coming in a little blind, Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that, Lauren. Uh, And that is all about influencers, influencer culture, the business behind influencing, um, which I think is something that for a lot of you guys, you see probably every single day and it might confuse you a lot like it does me. So I'm excited to hear all about it.
0: I'm very excited to talk about this too, because I feel like I know almost everything there is to know about it. And so sometimes I assume that other people do too. And then I'll say something to like a group of my friends, like blah, 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 blah. And they'll be like, what? Or if I even talking about what I do, in my little career of having a blog that I'll get into in a minute, my friends like don't always understand it even though it seems so self-explanatory to me. So I'm very excited to have this episode in the world and if people, people ask me questions about influencer, culture a lot and so I'm very excited to just have this episode to be able to like send them listen to this this is your crash course in influencing so that you know almost everything you need to know about the influencers that are on your social media screens all day long but Allison before we get into the episode what have you been up to lately
1: um, I feel like a lot, but nothing at the same time. I don't yeah, know if that's a good answer. That's all important. <laughs> um, But I actually got to go home this weekend and see my parents. I had to do the very fun adult task of spending my Friday afternoon getting an emissions test and getting my tag and title renewed. Um, shout out to Hamilton County for making that a requirement that you have to do once a year. So I went home and did that. But I did get to eat with my parents and hang out with them in the process. And then I actually caught up on WandaVision, which I just mm. started watching this weekend. I watched all the episodes. So and I'm good. very highly intrigued very confused me too but i love that so that's what i basically did this weekend and i'm currently as we speak at work so i'm not technically working today i am shadowing um our producer for our basketball game today on a sunday morning um because i'm producing a basketball game this week so my week is about to be very hectic but uh other than that it's been kind of calm but this week is probably going to be a little bananas what about you lauren i haven't seen you well we did see each other last week
0: club we yes. did have book club. Yes, which was a treat because we had not seen each other in a long time. Like two months. Yes. So it was so much fun to get together with our book club. It's only four people, like including both of us. So it feels like a still small, safe enough gathering to see everyone. And I think it's just really good for my spirit to have that kind of like party atmosphere with But it's very chill. Yes, it's like so chill, (laughs) but it feels like I'm hosting a party or going to a party or something, whoever's house we have it at, because I have been missing that so badly. I'll get into what I've been doing, but they were talking about the Super Bowl on the news this morning, like who's going to be in it? And I just got this pang of sadness because (laughs) I love hosting a Super Bowl party every single year, like since college, I've hosted a Super Bowl party, so I had a little pang of sadness that I'm not going to get to do that this year, but it's okay. Um, What have I been into this week? I had a very, very busy week at work. I mean, I'm not going to say it was stressful, but it was. I'm like, I get stressed, especially because... This is a new job to me still, kind of, and I just had a few days and a few like moments where I was like, I'm very stressed. But overall, it was a good week. Um, I'm still loving my job and getting settled into that. Also, I was able to get my hair cut, finally, since October, which isn't that long of a time, but when you have bangs and you can't get your hair cut for that long, like straight across bangs, if you guys don't know what I look like, it's very taxing to have your hair like grown out (laughs) that long because everyone was asking me like oh are you growing your bangs out because they were that long but it's all good now I got my hair cut I also got to go look at my office for the first time I've been working from home basically this entire time and especially since I actually started as a full-time person because when I was an intern I just had a desk like in the hallway kind of um, situation which doesn't sound as bad as It's not as bad as it sounds because it was like a big lobby area, Um, but now I actually have like an office with four walls, a door, like a desk, two computer screens, everything. So I got to go there and just see what everything was going to look like and set up my computer. So that's something to look forward to when we go back into the office for sure. Um, But I think that's all I've been into recently.
1: Like copying off of Lauren's uh, book club, I just have to make a confession about myself. From if you listened to last week's episode, we talked about unpopular opinions, and I kind of hated on charcuterie boards a lot. Oh, and I'm still yeah. not saying that I like them. I'm just saying that Lauren made one that I actually liked at our book club. And I sat and was, I jokingly put my hand in it so that she could take a boomerang you for a it for grabber. her Instagram. <laughs> stop okay anyway but I actually I sat there and I kept eating on it and I could tell Lauren was just staring at me and after like two minutes she said Hmm, you may want to reconsider that opinion huh so I would just like to say that something that we need to carry into 2021 not just in this podcast and among our podcast friends but among like I don't things. know like n- like maybe politics maybe like sports maybe in your careers or with your friends let's give each other grace to admit I was wrong I was wrong <laughs> About the charcuterie board. Well, and I would like to apologize. Just
0: because you like the charcuterie board that I made doesn't mean yet that you're gonna like the next one that some average Joe off the street makes. You know, I would consider myself particularly gifted in the realm of making a charcuterie board. So Since
1: you got your stuff from Trader Joe's, does that mean yours was an average Joe
0: board?
1: No, Allison.
0: <laughs> I like where you're going with that. <laughs> but no. I wanted to tell you guys a little bit why. We wanted to do this episode, or why I specifically wanted to do this episode. So I'll get more into this in just a minute, but I'm very interested and involved in researching the influencer community and. I've always been that way, like even when it was first emerging and when Instagram was first, you know, becoming a thing. And this episode is going to be mainly about bloggers and Instagram influencers. And I think we're going to save the YouTube community for a later time because I think those things need to be in another, like area all on their own. This episode is for those who have ever wondered how your favorite blogger or Instagram influencer affords his or her lifestyle. You might see the multi-million dollar homes and monthly luxury vacations and think they got there overnight, but that's usually far from the truth. So this episode will give you an inside look into how influencers make their money and some insider secrets you've always wanted to know. So I'm just going to briefly talk about my like where I'm coming from. So I've had an Instagram like blog account since 2013. So I went back and looked because I wasn't sure if I made it in 2012 or 2013. But I remember specifically, I made it when we had a two week snow break from school in 2013, um, like January or February, maybe. And I had seen like Instagrammers and just, I was always passionate about sharing stuff like that. I was like a lot more into fashion in high school because it was a lot easier to dress up in high school than it was in college, so I started it. I had all this free time off of school. started it in my own little bubble when we were away from, you know, like high school. Then I tried to keep it going, and I was super passionate about it, and then people from school found out, and it was very hard for me at that age to like understand that in high school people don't necessarily understand your passions and if it's not mainstream it can be a little bit weird. We talked about this with Lottie Smalley when she was on in season two but starting something like this in high school especially at public high school in rural East Tennessee was a little bit hard for me. So I actually quit it because the peer pressure, kind of like a few little snide remarks that people would say to me about the like Instagram that I was running really got me down. So I quit it for a couple of years and then I was about to study abroad in 2018 and I was like this would be the perfect time for me to start the blog back up because all of my friends and Preston and my mom had been saying like Lauren you need to start your blog again because it was something I was so passionate about and once I got to college people don't really care what you do in college like you could literally <laughs> like you could be a passion like any passion project people are gonna accept in college. So I started back up, Preston completely like made my website for me. I published a couple of blog posts when I was in Italy, studying abroad, and then I published more when I got home and I just kept going with it. So I've been doing that ever since and just building the blog up more and more, posting more and more regularly. And now I'm actually doing it and I've started this year like treating it more as a career. So I'm coming from a little bit of experience on this, but nothing like what the people who have like a million followers have. So I just wanted to provide that background. Allison, do you want to explain like your blog and your Instagram just a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. So I am the opposite end of the spectrum from Lauren. Um, I'm kind of similarly to her. I started a blog in college, but mine is definitely more of a like an online journal to just kind of like write so that other people who are dealing with stuff know that they're not alone. So mine is more of just like faith and life and my thoughts. And Lauren does write about those things. But Lauren also, I feel like has more of the, would you say like, I don't want to call it traditional, but I would say like what you would think of like a traditional blog where you're doing like lifestyle and baking and home and like all that kind of stuff. Mine is more just if I'm randomly excited about something, I'll write about it. But it's just because that's what's on my brain, not because I'm trying to make a career necessarily. So similarly to Lauren, when I went and did the Disney College program, I started writing more consistently because it was just a way for me, me to kind of like write about that homesickness and anxiety and things like that. But it wasn't, even now I still write on it, but not as often because it's just more of a cathartic journal. Um, So when I, and my Instagram that I have that we like link below is literally just what I call my public spam account. I just do what I want. Um, It's not like, I'm not trying to do anything really other than just be myself with the people who actually want to follow and engage with me. Whereas like a private right. account, I feel like, is like a linkedin at this point like you just have people on there and you're like why do i follow you anyway so for me i come into this knowing people like she talked about lottie Smalley. so like i saw her starting her youtube career and kind of like a social media career pretty early on and i was one of those people that i was confused by it i never really cared or saw it like as a negative thing but it was before kind of like lifestyle culture was a really a big influence in social media or just this ever-present thing. So I've always just been kind of confused. I also just get confused on like – not in a bad way, and I don't want this to sound negative, but like why you would want to do that or how you even go about getting started. Because for me, I just don't think about it. So it's an interesting thing that Lauren has kind of helped me see into over the last couple of years, but I definitely am not someone that has any experience or knowledge about this field whatsoever or understands really how it works. I am going
0: to just briefly talk about the history of influencing as it is now. So most people agree that blogging in its earliest form started in 1994. Would you have thought it was that early, Allison, or do you think that's like
1: uh maybe not like the kind of blogging that we have but like blogging in general yeah because yes. i know that like the dredge report if you know that guy um he's the one that broke the whole like monica yes. Lewinsky thing so like i knew he had a political blog so.
0: blogging you in 1994 in its earliest form was kind of similar to twitter or it was very similar to like citizen journalism so more political blogs were a lot more popular okay. or people kind of sharing like a little blurbs like twitter So it wasn't until around 2003 when Google bought Blogger, Um, that's like a, it's a blogging platform that's still around today, but that enabled the AdSense feature, which is still around today, that allows bloggers to make an income based on the amount of page views. So 2003 was like really when it got started So Instagram launched in 2010, but I feel like it took a couple of years for it to really get popular. Allison, do you know when you started an
1: Instagram account, just like a regular one? Oh, absolutely. It was 2011 because I sat and painstakingly chose a username after like three hours of trying to think, (laughs) which if you ever have noticed... If you're like, if you know me in person, I have a public Instagram now, but for this kind of stuff, but it's, um, Paris underscore bird. And that was my it's attempt to. It's been that to, since then. It's been that since the eighth grade. It, that was literally because I didn't want it to be my name. So I couldn't get stalked and I like birds. And after three hours, that's what I came up with. And I have never oh, changed it. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I started mine around then too. And I remember like in those very early days, you were doing well to get over 11 likes because 11 Mm -hmm. likes was when it went from like, listing the profiles who had liked the photo to saying like 11 so like people like this. Yeah. So I remember you were always like having beta, like you were on the edge of your seat waiting to see if they got 11 likes. And yeah. that was and like was, a good amount. I was amount.
1: thinking about that in preparation for this episode, because I went back and looked on my personal account at the first thing that I'd posted. And those first 10 things, I remember being so proud when one of them got yes. like 20. And it wasn't necessarily because I was trying to impress. I think you get to a point where you first had Instagram, where you're like, I'm going to see how many people will like this. But- it used to be what I think of as, like, a scrapbook. Like, it used to be putting things out there to share with your yes. friends. Whereas now, it's almost like, instead of a scrapbook, it's like a curated Vogue cover yes. story. Like, you think very specifically about what you put up and what the caption is and how it's, like, branded and stuff. For even sure. Even just for a personal account. So, it's just weird how that has changed. And, I mean, it's been, that's 10 years. Like, that's insane. I've had my Instagram. Oh, my gosh. I just, 10 oh, years. I just I thought know. about this. It's been 10 years. but. Like how that has Uh, changed because of all of this is just kind of wild.
0: It is for sure. And people have started campaigns like make Instagram casual again because I remember I used to do like photo of the day accounts, like, or I did photo of the day tags or something. And like every day you oh, had yeah. to share, like share something blue, share something that you haven't seen before, blah, blah, blah. And I did that. And now I cannot even imagine doing that. you like seven posts in
1: seven days. No, thank you. <laughs> so
0: much time and effort goes into just a single Instagram post even if you don't have a blog. So it's crazy to think about how much it has changed. Okay, so let's get in a little bit to the business of influencing and how these influencers earn a very incredible living. So there are a couple of types of influencers that I think it will be handy for people to understand. So there is the group called nano influencers, which is around 1000 to 10,000 people, which I feel like when I see people who have 10,000 followers, I'm like, wow, they're doing really great. But that's still like in the nano category, which is so interesting to me. But I currently have like 950 followers on Instagram. So I'm very close to like, actually Oh, you're being so close. You've gotten in- so many
1: in the last month and a half, I feel like.
0: I'm very close to being in the nano category. So I'm very excited because I'm not quite there yet. But then there are micro influencers, which is 10,000 to 50,000. And then there's like these people who are kind of in between like the mid tier. But once you get to 500,000 or 1 million um, followers, you are in the macro influencer category. And there are so many influencers and I mean as soon as you get a million followers you're basically set like that is their full-time job completely like their husband could quit their job they could like afford a very very credible living like even before the one million follower point you're sure. getting
1: Fendi like send you their spring preview and you're going yes. to Louis Vuitton fashion week yes. In
0: Paris. <laughs> yes exactly so that's crazy to think about that you can just go from being like a normal girl on the street to like a million followers getting invited to like everything so then there are groups of like mega influencers and I'm trying to think like of a good example for that because Kylie Jenner or something isn't really a good example because she's a celebrity so famous yeah but I'm trying to think of somebody that people would really really know That's still an influencer. Maybe like some Victoria's Secret models kind of situation because they're not necessarily celebrities, but they have like a lot of followers. I don't, I'm not really sure. Let's talk a little bit about how they make this money. So there are multiple streams of income. No Instagram influencer that has this as their full-time job is going to just have one stream of income. It's all about diversifying where your money is coming from. It's also really important because if you don't have a blog and you're just using Instagram to make your living, it's very important to be smart about it because Instagram could go away Any day, like if you ever think about it, social media is so volatile. I don't think Mm -hmm. people realize when they logged on to MySpace for the last time that it was going to be the last time. They just logged on one day and then they never logged on again. So things like that can happen overnight with no rhyme or reason and no one could really predict it. So it's really important to diversify your platforms. And I think we talked about that when Sarah Grace was on. So with tiktok rising up like you never know which social media could be the first to go so we're going to talk about how they diversify their income a little bit and how profitable this industry is because i don't think a lot of people know how lucrative it really is so let's talk about one of the most widely seen things that most people probably are familiar with so allison have you seen sponsored content on instagram
1: I yeah I have um and I think usually you can spot it like even if you're not I don't know maybe some people just don't really pay attention to that but I feel like it's always very obvious and I know you have to put you have to say it's an ad right if it's right. A, if it's sponsored or you're gifted yes like you have to say it.
0: Yes, exactly. So sponsored content from brands. So what this looks like is Walmart can pay me to do an Instagram post with an outfit completely styled from Walmart. They would maybe pay for the clothes or maybe not. I'll talk about that in just a second. And then they might pay me $1,000 for one Instagram post if I had 5,000 followers. It's all based on contracts and everything like that. But sponsored content from brands, I mean, it usually ranges from anywhere from just giving you a product for free to maybe $200 to $10,000. What's the
1: price range on that? Does it depend on how many followers you have or like what your engagement or something like that?
0: Yes, definitely. So a lot of influencers have agents or like, you know people like that who managers who kind of go through contracts with them so uh, what usually happens is people have a media kit and it says my base Charge for an Instagram post is $2,000. My base charge for five Instagram story slides is $500, something like that. So if the brand comes to you and is like, hey, we want to just send you a free product in exchange for 10 Instagram stories, you know, that's when the negotiation would happen. But I mean, one Instagram post for someone who has a million followers. Depending on the brand and the contract, I mean, they could be getting paid twenty-five thousand dollars for like one. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's probably a low estimate. People who have like maybe two hundred and fifty thousand followers, they could probably negotiate easily like twenty thousand dollars for a campaign. Oh my gosh. Even like mid-level bloggers, they can seriously be making up to like $30,000 a month. And the sponsored content is one of the most popular things. And it's crazy because these sponsors can range from AT&T, like they sponsor people, which is so crazy to me, to HBO Max. I've seen a bunch of sponsors lately for that, to American Eagle and Walmart and Almost every company is using influencer marketing, like even like feminine hygiene products like are doing sponsorships on Instagram. So it's just crazy to see like how many brands are putting so much money into
1: Instagrammers. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Well, you saying that about the base price, that makes sense because somebody that I work with, she has about, I think, between five and 6,000 followers on her account. And she was talking about a base price for slide, or like slides or Instagram stories. And I remember her saying that, and I was like, "Wow, you can charge just yes. based on like one slide on a story." Yeah. That's, which I guess makes sense because it's. I feel like a lot of people, especially I know I get on Instagram and a lot of times I'll flick through the stories before I look at posts and stuff because the posts can get yes. lost. But if yeah. you engage with somebody more, their stories might probably be a better like push. So it makes sense if you charge per slides. Yes. But slides are so easy compared to like a post. You don't well, have to like... Maybe not, but I feel like...
0: It depends on how much you're putting... I think they can be more casual
1: than a post can be, I guess that's what I'm thinking.
0: And I think that's why a lot of brands depend on Instagram stories, because like you said, we're checking Instagram stories before we're checking the feed. If it's someone that we're really interested in, their story is going to be further like closer to the Mm -hmm. front of our feed and also it does have that casual atmosphere even if the stories are very highly produced it does seem more like word of mouth your friend is just telling you this Mm -hmm. and just like tiktok brands love instagram like this because it feels like your friend is recommending this to you because a lot of influencers kind of bridge the gap between being like a celebrity and being someone who feels like your best friend. And I think that's how it gets kind of
1: dangerous because I'm I'm laughing to myself, Lauren, not because of what you're saying, but because I like to think that I'm like, not, I don't want this to sound bad, but like I'm above the, like, I'm not going to get conned into like buying a a salsa, but here's the thing I do, but it's just, my brand is so odd. Like I'm not the cool, like mainstream style Halo, vitamin, whatever oh my gosh, person. Yeah. But the podcast with Knox and Jamie, which is like one of my favorite podcasts, I reply to their stories like they're going to yes, see it. And when I know that they have like a manager, brands. they have somebody whose job it is to reply to that stuff. I know because they just hired them and talked about it. So like I know that they're not the ones answering me. And I even have looked at books and stuff. Like the last book club book that Lauren and I read was because this person on the show recommended it. So I'm being influenced. Yes. Wow. I just yes. realized
0: it. I know. <laughs> Allison, awesome. there's some kind of media theory that we studied in, like, my calm theory class that's like, oh, I would never let something like that influence me, and I can't think <laughs> of what it is, but we talked about it all the time. Dang, I am not d- remember that. I didn't
1: think that I was going to be influenced into liking K-pop, but Carpool Karaoke, yes. James Corden, got me there because BTS is amazing, so yes. I am being influenced, and it is okay.
0: But there are a couple of different ways that sponsor content works. So if it's like Walmart or something, a lot of times you w- will not get sent the clothes for free because they want you to buy them yourself. So it's less of like a conflict of interest thing. But then your paycheck is plenty of what like, like it covers, covers it. whatever
1: you would have bought. And
0: excess for sure. Like it covers what you would have bought and what like it took the time to make the post. So
1: how does that work if it's like... So, there's a guy that I follow on TikTok, and he is a model now, but before he was, like, signed as a model, he would just go style outfits, oh, and wow. then, like, people like Fendi started sending him boxes yes. of clothes. So, like, if I know that most people are not going to be getting sent Fendi's spring collection, but, like, say <laughs> some American Eagle sends you clothes to style, like, are they going to pay you to do something like that, or are there no. situations where you just get free stuff to promote yes. it? Yes.
0: So, those are called, like, PR packages, usually. So, someone okay. like me who went to school for what I would do would be working at American Eagle or probably American Eagles advertising agency or like marketing agency and sending out these PR packages. So, I mean, sometimes if it's a sponsored post, they're going to send you this and they might pay you to promote it. But most of the time they just use it for, they just send it to you for free. And then the influencers use that content like, oh, look, American Eagle sent me this, which is something that we're going to be interested in. Do you know what I mean? So they True. get I guess free it's like clothes. an internship
1: in a way because it's like yes. you're not getting paid, but you get to say that you worked with yes. like, American you Eagle. Yes, you get this okay. for
0: free. You get the notoriety of American Eagle sending you whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. So... Like, uh, for example, Kim Kardashian has been sending her perfume to everyone recently, and it's like a chocolate heart box, and you have to, like, crack it open to get the perfume out of it. What? Have you not seen this? <laughs> no, I haven't like, seen that. Like, six influencers on my page have gotten this perfume from Kim Kardashian recently, so they will put up, like, ten stories of them cracking this chocolate box to get the perfume out of it. Four, and, like, all she had to do was send them a package that probably cost... Like less than $30 all in for them to send. And then they're getting all of this free publicity basically. So it's definitely, they are definitely doing it right. Okay. So, let's get into another stream of income that I actually have experience with. So, affiliate marketing is one of the most lucrative parts of this business. Besides sponsored content, most people are probably 50/50 on where their income comes from through affiliate marketing and sponsored content. So, affiliate links through companies like Like to Know It, ShopStyle, everything like that. Every time you buy something through that link, that influencer gets between three to 10% of commission from that. I mean, some of them, some of these crazy brands have like a 20% commission. I don't even understand how that works, but I think it's because like they're more expensive and less people buy it. But I mean, every time you buy something from Amazon, it's around 3% of commission. How do businesses
1: make money off of that? Is it kind of like you're paying for the advertising on the back end? Yes.
0: So it was very weird to me when I first started it because I'm actually a part of their reward style community, which is what like to know it is like reward style is the parent company of like to know it. So I have an account through that. Like I get paychecks from them regularly from sharing links. So it sounds weird at first, but if you think about it, they're really just paying a fraction of the cost of it that it would take to pay for a commercial. So it sounds weird at first because, okay, so for example, my cousin buys stuff from Old Navy like all the time and she'll use my link and I'll get like $7 from her $50 spend at Old Navy and it's no extra cost to her, but Old Navy loses like that much money so it was really weird for me at first to like understand how they were making money from this but the markup on these products is so high that even though she spent 50 dollars old navy probably has like 10 dollars in it so they're still making so much money if you think about it you would think three percent is not going to add up like i'll literally get 30 cents from someone purchasing something from amazon that seems like it's never going to add up But when you have a million followers and a Mm -hmm. million people are swiping up on your like whatever it is on that huge bottle that all the influencers have that like marks the time that you need to drink all the water by. I feel like every influencer (laughs) that I have shares that it really adds up. So, for example, like one person could share like a robe from Barefoot Dreams on Nordstrom that robe is $160. The average commission rate from Nordstrom could be like 10%. So every time someone buys a robe, that influencer gets $15. Okay. Well, if she has 30,000 followers and the average like swipe up rate is 3%, that's a lot of money. Like I need to do the math on that, but
1: I was going to say, do they have somewhere that breaks down or like, well, I guess you don't have a swipe up, so you probably don't know off the top of your head, but do they have a way to see like how many people swiped I would guess that they do. How many people swipe up on something that you put and then like how many people actually buy it?
0: Definitely. So you can see... like how many people swipe up and you can't see on Instagram how many people buy it, but you can see on whatever your reward style app is. So I'm sure some influencers probably share like how many people bought such and such, but usually they keep it vague and just do like a bestseller because some people get mad and don't want to use these affiliate links because I think some people feel like it's unfair or I'm not really sure where it comes from because I've never thought this way, but some people don't want the influencers to be profiting off of something that didn't take much work. But if you think about it, they are putting in the work to like show you this product that they really recommend. Or, I mean, sometimes they don't actually have it or use it or know anything (laughs) about it. So it definitely blurs this like ethical line for sure. But it's just so profitable and they're
1: like, Hey guys, I know a lot of you asked me about this, like yes. these vitamins that I've been taking. I'm like, did they really ask those you? Vitamins about those have vitamins have a twenty
0: percent commission rate and that is why they're sharing them, not because they really like them <laughs> but in all reality. But no, I mean, some influencers definitely, you know, are very ethical and very, do their due diligence in like reviewing these products. But some people are just going to share something because they know a lot of people will buy it and they know that the commission rate is high. So like on the back end of reward style, it'll say like, oh, these are high commission items that you should share this week. So if you've ever noticed that like that lint shaver that a lot of people were posting about, like every single person was posting about that for a while. It's because Reward Style probably said, this is a high commission. Or that water bottle that tracks like how much water you should drink by the time. Like it's probably because Reward
1: Style said, you should share this this week. Okay. So So I have two questions for you. One for, I know that I know a little bit about it, but can you talk a little bit more about what like to know it is for people yes. that like me have no idea what it is? And two, do they list things to where it's like you can promote this item and it has like this yes. kind of percentage or whatever? So you can choose to promote it yes. thinking that it'll make you money. Okay. For but sure. yeah, if you can talk, me about, talk about like it. to know it just because I know there may be some people that are like, I don't understand that because I didn't until you yes. got one.
0: Yes basically reward style is the parent company of like to know it so it's a community which i mean that word is like so such a buzzword but it's a community of influencers who have been accepted into this affiliate marketing program so brands like old navy nordstrom best buy walmart amazon every single brand almost is gets set up on reward style so you have a list of like 1500 brands on the reward style back end that you have the option to link from so you can't link for maybe like really obscure stuff or maybe if there's a brand that doesn't participate in reward style or like mm-hmm. to know it you can't link there so Influencers are probably only going to promote the items that they can link to, which almost everything can be linked to one way or another if you can find it. But I'm trying to think of the best example, but you can't really link to like Bath and Body Works. They're not on reward style or Victoria's Secret. So people would be way more likely to share stuff from Airy instead of Victoria's Secret, because Airy you can link. Then I apply, me, Lauren, Grace, Classically Grace, I apply to be a reward style community member. So I like applied once and I didn't get in and then I applied again and I got in the second time. So this just means that I can link stuff and I can set up a like to know it account. So if you ever see people promoting the like to know it account, it's because that is an Instagram, but it's exclusively for sharing links and shopping. So you post Instagram posts, but then below it, it says shop this post and you link exactly what you're wearing or sharing or talking about in the post. So this is a huge revenue driver for people but you can also not go through the app and just use like regular links that you embed like in the thing so for example when we share books on here i use my affiliate link because if we're recommending something we're like putting in the effort and then Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you get paid for being the middleman in between the purchase and the website if that makes sense. has anyone bought
1: one of those books That'd be cool. Um, it's actually
0: on Amazon. Amazon has like super strict privacy features. So you can't see what anyone buys through you on Amazon unless you get approved for an Amazon shop page. And an Amazon shop page is like its own affiliate thing, but just for Amazon.
1: Okay. So, so like you get the money from it, but you don't know what But I don't know what people have bought.
0: Yes. Unless someone texts me and like, hey, I just bought that cookbook that you shared or something. And then I'm like, that's probably what that was from. But for example, like if someone bought something from the Madewell sale that I shared last week, I can see exactly what they bought, which is really... But I don't know who it is. So it's private, but...
1: I was just curious if we had like a legion of people who listen to this podcast that maybe went and bought the Nightingale by Kristen Hannah because it's going to change your life. So if you do buy it, let let us know.
0: I wish. (laughs) But yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. But luckily, most places do let you know what people have bought, which is nice for analytics, because then you can be like, okay, people are buying this sweatsuit that I'm sharing, but they're not buying these six inch heels. I need to share more sweatsuits. So it's kind of a business. Okay. Like, people like see what your demographic wants for sure okay so let's get on to the next stream of income it's if this is only if you have a blog but like i was talking about earlier google ads and adsense you get so much money per page view so blog ad revenue through google ads i mean it can range greatly depending on what your topic is about like If you have a super luxury kind of blog, your cost per view or rate per view is going to be higher, or if you share about like financial information or technical information, it can be a lot higher, but I think it ranges anywhere from like a, this sounds high, but I feel like it's a dollar to $5 maybe per thousand views, but I'm not super knowledgeable about this because I haven't done it. And people don't really like reveal how much they get paid that much because you can get, I don't know, it's kind of complicated. The last thing I'm going to get into is Something that isn't done by a lot of influencers because you kind of have to get to that 1 million level before you can really do this, but a lot of people create their own products. So I'm sure you guys have seen this in the form of presets. Do you know what presets are, Allison? I do know what presets are. People with even just like 30,000 followers or something will sell presets and they would get almost 100% of the profits for selling these presets. But then the further you get up into the influencing stratosphere, the more like expensive products you can make. So Amber, fill her up with Barefoot Blonde. A lot of people probably know who she is. She sells shampoo and hair extensions and conditioner and hair oil because she has this amazing hair. And her blog is called barefootblonde.com. So it's kind of like these influencers take a product that is a very nash natu- natural progression of their brand and then mm-hmm. sell it. And so now her shampoo and her like conditioner is sold in Sephora. And she just started out on a blog like I have. So it ranges anywhere from shampoo to merch. Sometimes they'll literally sell sweatshirts that kind of have like something that they always talk about on or like their Instagram name and people literally go nuts for it. Mallory Irvin lives in Nashville and she was like Miss Kentucky and she was on The Amazing Race like three times and now she's an Instagram influencer and she sells merch and she probably makes so much money from it because people literally buy it like hotcakes. And then, like, people make dresses, hair extensions, like I was talking about. I mean, everything. And this is when they really launch into, like, the next level of making money. It's truly insane. Okay, and the last thing I'm going to talk about as a stream of income, which is a little bit in a gray area, is travel. People get paid to travel in the form of hotels or, you know, comped airline tickets or, like, they just get paid maybe a flat fee to go to this place and then they have to pay for it all on their own but that is kind of like the kind of influencing that Allison and I would be the most interested <laughs> in because getting paid to travel seems just like the absolute dream don't you think
1: yeah I actually know someone who has a travel company that she started she was in yes. broadcast for a while but uh yeah she and her husband they go travel over the place she has two babies and they it's go there. they've already been to like I want to say like fifteen countries, and they're both under three, and it's yes. just that would be amazing. And I think it's just because they're even though you're like oh they're getting paid to travel like that's not fair. I'm like well they are they're showing you like the experiences you can do or like yeah. where you should stay and where to eat and like all they're these things doing so that a lot of work make your money work efficiently I guess is the best way to put it and I will say this is where I probably have a little bit more of an idea of how things are because I follow like YouTubers that do things like this um specifically some people that are like in the Florida area and do things kind of like the Sunny SG but um they'll show all these things in Florida you can do so they get paid to come to like theme parks or beaches or to do things but they're also showing you how you can more efficiently spend your money when you come on vacation so that you can make the most out of this trip you're saving to go on. And I think that that's pretty cool. Right,
0: exactly. So I think this is where influencers get a lot of like, they get a lot of flack because it just seems like everything is perfect. And all of these streams of income are so easy. And once you get the following, you never have to work again. And you get paid to travel all the time. And it's so glamorous. But they're also most of them are working extremely Mm -hmm. hard. I mean, they go on these trips, but they're technically work trips. They're not just going to be sitting at the beach all day long, relaxing with not a care in the world. They've got to be planning their outfits, getting the most Instagram-worthy bikini that they can possibly find, you know, go to the beach at the crack of dawn to get a picture at sunrise with no one else on the beach. They're not just larking around. Like, they are doing a lot of work. And also, this is not even about travel, but Influencers are also working when other people are relaxing. So it's like important to post on Instagram in the evening because that's when people are on Instagram. So, your job, if you're a 24 7 influencer, like if it's your full time job, you are going to be working like all day long because you need to work on like other stuff during the day, but then you need to be posting on Instagram and creating content at night. So it's truly a job. And I think as we get more like further into it as a career, people will start to take it more seriously. But if you take anything away from this podcast, I feel like it should be that this is an actual job that can make a viable income. And what these people do is their full time job. Like I see on Q and A's all the time when people are like, what's your full time job? And people are like, literally this. And I work more than 40 hours at it every single week. So I I feel like that is the one big takeaway that I would love people to, you know, understand going forward when you're on Instagram, like that person is working, even though they seem like they're just sharing this for fun. It's really a job. And it's something that they probably put a lot of effort into. Do you have any more questions, Allison, about any of that?
1: I I will say, one thing I do maybe have a question for you with is, so, like, I just have a casual one, and I just do whatever I want. Like, I'm not posting outfits or anything. Most of the time, I take an old picture, and I have, like, some life thing that my brain thought of that I thought would be great to share, and then I post that. Or, like, I'm excited because I watch WandaVision. What are your thoughts? But... I see other people who are like our age and I see that they like have all these other blogger connections and then they'll like do things together. Like how does yes. that for you, like how do you make connections with people that are genuine or like yeah. how do you navigate that? Because I'm sure that there are some that maybe aren't as genuine and how do you kind of balance who you want to stay connected with or like who to follow or who to engage with from like a, good a point. business standpoint.
0: Well, I feel like I can't speak truly to this because no one's going to be my friend on Instagram because they want to get more followers because I literally don't have... (laughs) You're
1: still pretty small. Yeah, I'm
0: still very small. But I'm sure when you get... I mean, even when you get to around like the 10,000 mark, people are going to be trying to be your friend just for the followers and like trying to do things with you just so you will share them on your story. Like if anybody knows who Danielle Carolyn is, I know she talked about how like when she was a freshman at UGA, she had a really hard time because she thought a lot of people were just trying to be her friend because they wanted her to like post them on their YouTube or Instagram story or anything. So that's definitely a problem. And I think that a lot of these like brand trips that you see a lot of influencers go on, those make them like those make their follower count shoot up because if there's five people on the trip and each of those five people have 200,000 followers and then they're suddenly sharing each other I mean you could get 10,000 followers just from that trip so that's going to go into something that I'm going to talk about into the next segment which isn't going to be kind of short, but I asked everyone on Instagram, what influencers do that really grates on their nerves? And the answers were very interesting because I actually made this segment before I decided to ask this on Instagram. And it was what people don't know, like secrets kind of behind influencing. And a lot of the people, like a lot of the things people submitted that said, this annoys me or this annoys me were topics that I was going to bring up and then what the behind
1: the scenes of what people don't know.
0: So let me pull it up a little bit.
1: I'm, I'm curious talk about to see, cause I didn't answer. answer this. I just wanted to see what other people said. Yes. Cause I'm like, I don't feel like I remember enough to pay attention but I'll be curious. I can probably help speak on some of it though from like the other side.
0: Yes, so I'm going to mention the first one that was the most like submitted answer. So loop giveaways were one big thing that people really, really get annoyed by. And I am right there with all of these people. I mean, I've never been on it from the other side and I'm sure it's very tempting to do these loop giveaways every single day when you're on the other side of it. And here's why. Okay. So this is how a loop giveaway works. Six girls team up to give away a $200 target gift card. Okay. So one girl messages like six blogger friends that she has, and she's like, Hey, who wants to do this loop giveaway? If everyone just pays like $35 to do a $200 Target giveaway. Like everyone, you know, pays a little bit in and then they share it on their Instagram story. You have to go follow these five other influencers to be entered to win a $200 Target gift card. You know, that seems great. It seems like those people are really offering a service to their followers. But if you think about it, they're paying $35 and they might get 5,000 followers from this thing. So they're really paying for followers. So it's kind of like a loophole into just buying followers, which is something that people do regularly. You can pay like this bot company basically a $100 to buy you 5,000 followers. And people do that all the time. Like even big bloggers that you probably love and follow every single day do this. But it really gets into... Hot water when people are doing these giveaways every single day, because I don't know how much money they spend. But have you seen the giveaways where it's like we're giving away six Pelotons?
1: All you have to do is follow twenty people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, sort of. Like I think for me, I know that whenever I see stuff like this, I think I used to like maybe try and enter it if you just had to. Yeah put in a comment, but one, I have bad luck and never won anything. But two, if I see that I have to follow other accounts, I don't do it, I just yeah, skip it.
0: But a lot of people do. So it gets people like thousands and thousands of followers every single week. I mean, even like last year, these influencers teamed up in a loop giveaway to give away a car. So it's just seriously insane. And it's just so annoying every single day to log on to Instagram and people are talking about another loop giveaway that you're not gonna
1: enter. So it it's just well, super annoying. I've seen I've seen people do I don't know what you would call this, but um I used to follow a lot of like Disney people, which I've unfollowed a lot of it cuz sometimes like I love Disney, but when it's just like all Disney all the, all the time. time, it really gets on my nerves. Um, but they did kind of like a, I don't, a loop like yes. content thing. So like they all took a theme and then did their yes. own thing. So it wasn't about money I've done anything. that before. It was just like ways for you to see other people. And I like that. Yes. But that's because you're not like in your face being like, la. it's just trying to get you to discover new people. Yes.
0: And when you do it every now and then, it's fine. But most of these people that we're talking about here are sharing a loop giveaway every single day. And it's just at this point, it's just fine followers and it's just very annoying and like we all see through it so I just don't know why they keep doing it but it must be because they're gaining like 10,000 followers a week Okay, so moving on. Another person said, "When bloggers say a ton of people have asked me about my skincare routine, I said that earlier. (laughs) Have asked me about blah blah blah, which is very very annoying. But I will say sometimes it is because a lot of people are probably asking them about it. Sometimes it's not. Like if they just want to share this new product that they have a high commission rate on, like to know it, they're just saying it to like have a natural way to like bring it up." Okay.
1: Okay. So kind of like if a lot of people are asking, do you really like K-pop or is this a joke? And you're like, since so many of you asked me about this, here's me unboxing my BTS album. Kind of like that, except you make money. Okay. And
0: I mean, (laughs) I see why they do it. Because if 15 people are messaging you, asking about the sweatshirt that you're wearing in your stories, it's going to be a lot easier to just get on and be like, hey, my sweatshirt is from blah, blah, blah. Then message
1: individually 15 Then individually
0: 15 message 15 people because that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you post like 600 stories a day, you're going to have 15 times 600 on your story. Do you know what I mean? Because people really reach out to these influencers and see them as a friend to like recommend products. So... People get messages like that a lot. A lot of people pay for an assistant just to answer DMs like that. It's a serious part of their job. Another person said profiting off of posting their children. There's a line between sharing and exploitation. And I really do agree with this, but I know a lot of influencers who, if they do any kind of campaign involving their children, they'll put a portion of it in their, like, child's college fund. Oh, that's cool. So I get this... I get this a lot, but I also think that it think is It depends their job. on how you
1: do it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it depends on how you do it, and it is their job. And their job is sharing their family. So it's hard to not involve your kids when your kids are benefiting from your job. You're yeah. affording to pay for all of their needs and wants, taking them on vacation. So it's hard to, like, leave your kids out of it when that's how you're paying for their lifestyle. Someone said vacations in a pandemic. That I feel like, yeah, is very controversial. Like the TikTok stars that all went to the Bahamas or something Mm. like. uh, One time I saw, this wasn't during a pandemic, but one thing that really grated on my nerves was one time this influencer went, she got married and then she was like, we don't have time to go on our honeymoon this year. We're going to have to push it off to next year. So we're going to go on a mini moon. Can't wait to reveal it all to you guys. Her mini moon was five nights in Paris.
1: I remember you telling me about this
0: (laughs) that got on my nerves so bad and i would never ever message anyone and tell them like you're really making me mad blah 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 like that is just unfollow them if it really makes you mad but i have never gotten so mad over something because i just think that is so out of touch with reality to get on and say your mini moon is five nights in paris when they're not even from europe or anything they're like from the u.s Most people would die to go on a vacation for five nights in Paris. And she was acting like it was just this little rinky-dink trip. Then their actual honeymoon (laughs) was like three weeks in the African safari, like at the Four Seasons in Africa. Oh, my
1: gosh. I think a mini-moon for most people we know would be like, we're going to Adalbert for the weekend. And we're going to go to Obergartenberg and do some skiing. Yes,
0: that's a (laughs) mini-moon for people. Or like an actual honeymoon. So, I mean, just for her to have the nerve to like, oh, that made me so mad. So, someone else said, this is kind of general, but when they seem fake. Yeah, I really get that. But someone else said, OMG, sorry, I look so crazy right now, but but they actually look perfect. They have, perfect. like, makeup, yeah. and they're
1: in a sweatsuit, but, like, they haven't worked out yet. It's just, like, a matching suit that yes looks good. Yeah.
0: She said, OMG, ignore my messy house back here. Very clean house in the background which I understand a little bit because all people have different levels of like clutter in their house and stuff like for some people if one thing is out of place it completely derails their entire being but then other people are they thrive in chaos so it really just depends okay and then the last two sponsors for things you know they don't use like one person I follow does sponsorships for candy crush that can be really annoying to me too have you ever had an experience with that Allison
1: not that I've noticed I don't think I've seen I I guess it's just the people in my feed but I haven't seen one that's like really unrealistic
0: right yeah I feel like I see these all the time or if it's like the same person sponsoring stuff over and over and over again like so many people are sponsored by HelloFresh or Squarespace or something like that it can just get annoying to see that all the time And then the last one is saying they have a code off, but it's not much off. And I really, I get this because it's like, use my code Lauren15 for 15% off. And then like 15% off barely covers like tax. So I get that. But I mean, if you're going to have a long-term code with a brand, they can't make it like use Lauren50 for 50% off because then like people are always going to buy your stuff half off. Oh, wait, there was one more. Sorry posting 80 plus times a day on their stories I've literally unfollowed accounts for this lol yeah I relate exactly (laughs) to that because it's just like I cannot flip through one more time Uh, but influencing is a crazy thing that is going to be sticking around for a really long time and I hope that as things go forward it becomes more and more like acceptable well Accept a career and I will say the same girls who used to make me feel really bad about my Instagram and blog in high school now follow me on there and interact with me and are super super nice about it and I know they're not just like being fake they're like actually understanding and on board now it's great to see in a couple of years just how quickly people come around to it for sure So that's all I really have for today, unless you have any more questions, Allison. But I hope this episode was helpful and just gave a little bit of light to this No, I think it's
1: interesting, and I think I hope people that are like me listening to this and don't really understand how this works learn something, because I feel like I do. I feel like I always come to you with questions about things if I see it or I don't understand it, and you help kind of enlighten me, because I would have not seen this as a reliable source of income, and I've always thought of it as being kind of like i don't want to say vapid but it's like sometimes if you only see the mainstream yes. stuff that's what it feels like but yeah. i from seeing you do it i realize how much care and attention that you put into things and through doing this podcast like i've seen some other people who i follow now and i really like what they're doing because they just seem like real people that just care about random yes. things and that's that's what my instagram is i'm just not really trying to profit off of it i'm just being a weirdo like i naturally am and posting stuff on there. And I realized that's basically what people are doing. They're just being their authentic selves and profiting off the things they care about, which I right. can respect and think is hopefully. pretty cool. That's so the hope. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean,
0: there are definitely bad, uh, like bad eggs in the bunch for sure that give everyone a bad name. But the hope is that influencers can be a source for inspiration and, you know, happiness in your life. And I hope that's what it continues to be for all of us going forward.
1: Well, I have a fun question for you, actually, that I just thought of, which might be fun for listeners to answer, too, kind of like your least favorite chain restaurant or whatever oh, yeah. that we did this week. But if you could pick three brands that were, like, your, dream your goal brand. for the future, what would yours be?
0: Okay, that's a great question. I think mine would be LaCroix.
1: They send people stuff. They send people yes. cases all the time. Yes,
0: I want to be on the LaCroix PR package. I think I would also love to work with Madewell,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for sure. And then I think I would love to work with La Creuset. Those would be my like top three people. I cannot
1: say that. Like I know what you're talking about. I love Chris. Say I always want to call it La Chris
0: <laughs> What would yours be, Allison? Oh, besides travel, I didn't. Let's like just do like products and not travel, if you want. Okay, because like that's well,
1: I'm gonna say my number one would be Disney parks. Oh yeah, like, yeah. And that doesn't count. That's a commodity. Yes. it's not just travel. Yes. I don't know. What would the other two be? I have no idea. Maybe like LaCroy. Barnes and Noble. No, oh, probably yeah. not Barnes and Noble. I don't think Barnes like,
0: and Noble works with people that much.
1: I'm just going to pick a bookstore because I have free books. And then, I don't know, like a flight company so that I can not have to pay to fly. Oh. And can go anywhere. <laughs> Wait, let me think of one that's actually on brand. Maybe like. Cross-stitching
0: supplies. <laughs> DMC sponsors people. Jo- Do they Ann's. really? Yes. Joann's,
1: Michael's. What am I really passionate about? Maybe like coffee something some yeah. Coke zero i have no idea oh, disney parks gosh. is number one and well then,
0: but i yeah. said well really weird. maybe like
1: gap if i had to pick a clothing oh, yeah, company
0: yeah. that'd be cool we will ask this question on instagram and i cannot wait to see the answers because i feel like you guys are always so creative
1: when we ask Yeah, pick the like, like three brands that just identify with yes. your soul i'm very yes. curious
0: and tag them maybe and maybe we can get a thing going and they'll just sponsor all of us <laughs>
1: If Allison ever gets a sponsor, I'm just going to be awkward not knowing how to handle it. I'm just going to be like, ah, Lauren, tell me what to do. Help me. I don't see that happening though. So, Oh my gosh, he got it. Yeah. So um, today we're going to influence you with our one of the week. So I love that I'm trying to find a great way to segue into that every single <laughs> every week. Single but, week. Um, if you are new around here, the one of the week is our favorite thing of the week. It doesn't have to specifically fit into a category it can be a person place or thing but it's just something that we are loving right now so lauren what is your one of the week this week
0: okay my one of the week is funny because my brother-in-law just walked in to the room while i was recording but he actually brought his vr headset it's called like an oculus the oculus or something and he brought it last night for us to play because he spent the weekend with us and I have seen people like share their stories of their husbands playing it or whatever and I've been like that really can't be that cool like there's just no way um it is 10 times cooler than I ever thought you really do feel like you are in this like virtual space and it was so much fun I played the beat saber game which is kind of like guitar hero but you just move your arms to like you kind of have like a lightsaber and you move your arms to like hit beats or whatever. And it's like an exercise kind of, it was so much fun. And I felt like a stinking rock star or something when I was doing it. Cause you're just like up there kind of like playing drums almost. And, and then you saw the video music. Preston
1: took of you and you're like, I don't really look like a rock star. <laughs> I know, cause I in
0: your head, you feel like a rock star. And then Preston was videoing me and I put it on my Instagram and you look like a complete idiot, but it's just so much fun in your head. I don't know. It's super fun, so if you get a chance to try it out, I highly
1: recommend trying it
0: out. What was yours, Allison?
1: All right, so this week I have a book that I finished, and I don't give a lot of books five stars, and it's not really because I'm picky. It's just I only save my five star rating on Goodreads for books that I might like. Read I again. would recommend to anybody and would read again. Yeah. Um, and so this week I am picking The Authenticity Project by Claire Pooley. Oh, yeah. So this is one of those books where I went to the bookstore and I ju- definitely judged it by its cover. I just thought the cover was cute. But something about my blog and like the whole reason that I started to write and to do things like this podcast is authenticity is kind of a big kind of inner goal and thing that I try to look for just in being myself and not being concerned about what other people think about my authentic self. So that's a really deep reference into why I picked up this book. But it's really just a sweet story um, about a guy named Julian and he's an artist and he his wife dies so he leaves a journal in a coffee shop and shares about like his biggest regret in life and asks people who find the journal to write the thing that kind of they think is the like thing that they are stuck on in their life so that other people can read it and move forward so it's just a way that like six people's lives get interconnected it's a fun lighthearted story I do not read fast Lauren knows this and I read this in three sittings I think wow um so that's a lot that's very fast for me but it's sweet it's fun it's lighthearted, and it's just a good if you need just a break and a reprieve from real world problems and life right now I think this is a sweet book so authenticity project by Claire Pooley very highly recommend
0: I'm definitely gonna read that also I'm gonna link it with my like to know it down below so that's my affiliate
1: link I'm just well you can borrow mine if you want yes I definitely will (laughs) all right everybody that is going to do it for this week's episode of nice to have a friend so along with the theme of our episode today mainly just because we want to Continue to build community, engage with you guys through some of our posts. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or and Twitter. We have a Twitter as well rate and review us hopefully five stars on apple podcast or share us with someone you love whether that is by text on social media or in person and other than that we are excited we got to hang out with you guys and talk about all things influencer today we will be back with another episode next week and until then we hope this podcast reminds you it's nice to have a friend Woo, bye everybody bye.
0: see you on instagram